0: Each day. Where there's a will, there's a way.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Raw Recovery, a trudging together podcast. My name is Dion Miller, and I will be your host today. Um, I think we are on like episode 70 something. I'm not sure. I don't, you know. Kinda of like when I when I first got sober, I got I got I had relapsed so much that I got tired of counting my days. Um, so I asked my wife to do it. When I hit two years, I decided, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and memorize it. So, but I digress. This is not my show today. You've already heard my story. Today we have Travis H on the show, um, and I met Travis. Um, at my home group, uh, it used to be his home group and he'd come in a couple weeks ago. I just loved what he had to say. Um, and I'm really good at picking speakers, Travis, thank you so much for coming on the show and taking your time this morning.
0: Oh, thanks for
1: having me. (laughs) Absolutely. Some, um, You know, this is this is the part of the show where I turn it on over to you uh, since it is your show. So I'm going to go ahead and let go of the reins here and uh, I'm going to introduce Travis. Travis, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Hello, I'm Travis. I'm an alcoholic and I am gay, too. So um, that's part of my story. Um, Okay. my sobriety date is Halloween 2019. Which means cool. I got one year, eight months, twenty days, or six hundred and thirty-two days, however you want to look at it. <laughs> There's a little app on your phone called Pure Time that will keep you yeah. on track of that. So
1: that's awesome. And don't they give you and they give you like uh, daily updates and reflections and things like that on it too? Don't they?
0: This one is just a counter, but you know when you get to your markers, you're thirty days, you're sixty, like it shoots off fireworks for you and different things, oh, that's cool. and yeah,
1: yeah, you know,
0: because I remember coming in and I would look at that thing every day, you know, and then next thing you know, you're six months along, you're a year yeah. so yeah,
1: yeah, we got we we do have to celebrate those, and we do need to celebrate our milestones, you know somebody is like, I have 13 months, but somebody has like, you know, nine days, you bet. I'm going to clap all day long. If they have under 30 days, I don't care. I don't care. Right. (laughs) I just want them to have it, man.
0: I used to, I never got when people would say, oh, the newcomer's the most important person in the meeting. But now that I got more than a year and newcomers Uh come in, you know, I always make sure I, if it's a, a guy, I put my number to him. you know, and it kind of keeps you grounded from what it was like. You remember yeah. your last days or even, you know, before. And uh, mm-hmm. I can see why people say the newcomer's are most important now.
1: Yeah. Well, my forgetter works best. So I need the newcomers to remind me that it still doesn't work.
0: <laughs> yes. And I have, I have many friends, like one just uh, relapsed this week and I took him okay. back to some meetings and- uh, Good. Oh, it reminds me, I don't want to go back there, but if I do, you know, I know there's people with open arms that will welcome me back, you know?
1: Yeah, we don't shoot our, that's the thing, we don't shoot our wounded. Um, the thing is, a lot of times people, they'll, they'll have a relapse, and they're embarrassed, and, and rightfully so, because um, as a community, we make that embarrassing. Um, and it shouldn't be. Um, yeah, you should come right on back, man. That's Okay. Um I had a slip out during my 4 step and I came right back and my sponsor was really good about it. He's like, yeah, we don't need to start all the way over, but I think maybe we should probably go hit some main points here first before we continue on with your 4 step."
0: Yeah, I actually had 45 days before Halloween. Um I came in and then I okay. relapsed on a substance and I knew I was going to cuz I had it at home and uh, and I saved it and and I did, but I came back in the next day, you know. Whereas when I went to rehab, I uh, after I relapsed, I was out for three years, you know. Yeah, that's
1: much different.
0: And I learned to just own up and come right back in. It was I called my phone list of people, and someone I never, I met one time, you know, answered the phone and helped me. um, And I came back in and admitted it. And after, you know, because coming into the dragon's den, you you say. Hi, Travis. I'm an alcoholic or addict, and uh, you have to acknowledge that for the first thirty days. Well, yeah, I just got over it, and then I relapsed, <laughs> and then I had to do it again. And I was like, I don't want to have to do that, that again.
1: <laughs> yeah, my home group was a thirty day. Also, I'm like, I think I'm going to switch to a first, second, or third meeting. <laughs> but no, you have to keep that accountability. Um, you know, because if we disappear, people are going to ask where we're at, man. Yep. Uh, and it's I missed shit.
0: Three.
1: yeah. <laughs> and being honest with yourself. Yeah. So, did you grow up here in Colorado? Where'd you grow up, Evan?
0: No, I grew up in Gallipolis, Ohio. It's uh, okay. a little town on the Ohio River, um, close to like right across from West Virginia, and like forty minutes from Kentucky. So, wow. uh, okay. Uh, I was close to Portsmouth, Ohio, which was like the first oxycotton mill. So, okay. You know, I'm from that part of the world where, uh, where pills are really bad and everything. Yeah. Um,
1: but wasn't that kind of where isn't that kind of where, where it started was over by the Bible belt there. Isn't that where yeah. they kind of, where they were doing their quote unquote test runs, I believe. Yep.
0: But Sick. I actually stayed away from all of that until later okay. in life. But, uh, but yeah, I, uh. You want me to just? Can I just go ahead and? Yeah, little, let's.
1: Stuff? Yeah, let's get started, man.
0: All right. So, like, I was born, and uh, I was uh, I was a snow baby. So there was a blizzard that went through in '78. I come out nine months later in December, and uh, I already had a 14 month old sister, and then a four year old sister. So I was the baby okay. boy. My parents are still together. Um, wow. I have a loving mom that's never been drunk, never done. Drugs or anything, and then I have like a construction dad that you know likes to drink and party. Um, So I guess I kind of got a lot of my dad in me, but I do have a lot of my mother too. Um, Certainly, growing up in the little country, I was always kind of taught like you know, gay was wrong, Um, so I kind of hid that. I always knew I was gay. But I just kind of pushed it aside because I liked girls, too. And it was really confusing for me. So I just did the girl thing. Um, And then about 12, uh, that's kind of when I first started experimenting with weed and drinking. Um, But me and my friends weren't drinkers. We just liked to smoke weed. Um, Okay. So we pretty much did that, you know, on weekends until – it got worse and worse. Once I turned 16 and I had a car, you know, we smoked every day because we had open lunch at school so we could leave at lunch okay. and come yep. back. And then I started it. We started experimenting with like pills and Xanax and Valiums and weed. And then we would drink occasionally. And that was really okay. about it until after high school. Um, I went to college and that's when drinking kind of started more because I could go to a Uh gay bar and people would buy me drinks and people made me feel Uh good, you know? Um, so I dated girls, but you know, you know, when I didn't, I would go and run to the gay bars, but I still was trying to find myself. Um, and in the midst of all of that, you know, my drug use just grew from, you know, Coke to crack, to. You know different times throughout my life you know i think drugs kind of were around more so okay I, I uh i after i graduated college i moved to kentucky um i'm a funeral director and embalmer and i went up down there and wow. i got on crack my one of my best friends got me on that and that was really hard to get off of so okay my solution was let's just move away from it so i moved back to cincinnati and I okay. got off track, but back on Coke. But mm. with Coke, I wasn't getting evicted. So I didn't really yeah,
1: care. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm an elite drug user.
0: <laughs> so and by the time Coke was there, I was drinking, you know, because I was over 41. Yeah. And, uh, and I would go out drinking and I would, uh, you know, I would drive two blocks to the bar because if I had to walk, I'd stop and get crack. So I would just drive drunk.
1: Uh (laughs) and that's a thought process of an addict right there yes (laughs) i i understand and we laugh because i understand that i get that
0: (laughs) and i did find this little quote and it reminded me of probably that stage of my life and it said i knew i was an alcoholic by the way i felt sober (laughs) i like Mm -hmm. that and absolutely uh, you know i i i never loved myself you know Mm -hmm. i mean I had a mom and dad that loved me and everything and they did the best they could, but uh-huh. hiding that I was gay really kinda, you know, screwed me up a little bit, um, inside. Uh-huh. And so that's what I'm still working on today is loving myself. Um Okay. But I uh when I moved back to Cincinnati, um I finally uh was just doing the coke and the alcohol and the weed. So I um I was working on my master's, and then I decided, "Hey, let's move to Colorado." So once I finished all my own campus classes, I moved out here. Couldn't okay. get coke, so I was fine. I was just drinking every day, and then uh, <laughs> then I found meth. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. meth stopped everything for me. I didn't need to drink. I didn't need to smoke weed, and I didn't need to go out. I just ended up just wow. I ended up just being kind of a horror, and doing a yeah. lot of drugs and, and having a lot of sex. Um, yep. So right before I actually did come to Cincinnati or uh, to Colorado, that's when I, I came out to my mother first. Cause I'm a mama's boy and, mm-hmm. and I told her I was gay. And uh, my mom's the sweetest lady in the world, but her words to me was, I don't know. I wish you wouldn't have told me, I don't know why you choose that lifestyle and you're going to die of AIDS. And that like killed me. Um, Ow. so Ow. I didn't, I didn't talk to my mom or my family for like a month. And my sister okay. would go and check in on me, but then I got into yeah. meth and I just kept diving down in. Um, then after I didn't, I thought I was unstoppable. I actually got HIV. And so then okay. my world, I found out the Friday of pride and I lived right on Colfax, like right by like all the, all the pride events. And yeah, I just, I called my dealer that I knew was positive and had a lot of questions for him and tried to find other HIV gentlemen to just have sex with over the weekend. And I never left my apartment. And I was just like in this funk, you know. Okay. Then my dog died. I had to put my dog down. I had for 14 years. And, you know, my life just kept going down, you know. Yep. And uh, everybody's bottom is different and yeah. you, you might hear someone's story and be like well that was their bottom but no that wasn't my bottom yet <laughs> so i um after getting uh fired from a job i'd never been fired before got another job oh. got fired from it Uh-oh. and then the dog died and i'm like i gotta change something in my life or i'm gonna die in this apartment yep and by that time Meth wasn't doing anything for me, so I switched to heroin, and oh. heroin got me depressed. Where I wanted my life to change, okay, and, and I opened up with my parents. Um, I finally got back, you know, with my mom and dad and stuff. And um, okay. but they did. They didn't know anything. They just knew I've gotten fired. Um, and moms and dad said that they had helped me move back to to Ohio if I needed, and I said yes, please and i was trying to find like some rehabs to go to um okay but, you know like i was losing my insurance and then going to ohio and i didn't know i didn't know really anything about it, rehab i didn't know anything about aa at the time or na or anything. okay so i uh we shipped my jeep back and i just left everything that didn't fit in my jeep flew home and uh I remember my friend taking me and she had actually gotten clean. She was the first one I did heroin with, but she drove me to the airport and okay. and I, I remember crying, like leaving. I felt like a shame, like I didn't yeah. make it, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. You I'm failed. going back. Yeah. Yeah. And so my parents picked me up and it was a three hour drive from Cincinnati back home. Uh, and we got home at like midnight or something. And, uh, okay. I, my parents live in like 30 acres of woods and I just remember like looking up at the stars and crying like I made it home, you know, Yeah, I made it. So the next morning I was laying there and I didn't feel good. And I dad helped me off the couch and I was I had to go puke and he was like, are you going to make it? And I looked at him and I was like, I'm withdrawing from heroin. And nope. and he didn't have any idea what to do. Him and mom didn't. They didn't know i was on anything and so i didn't even know what withdrawals from heroin was because once i started it i just did it and i didn't know and i called my friends and i was like hey i'm getting sick out here and they're like we haven't had any heroin and i'm like this is this is what happens when you get off heroin they're like Yeah. yeah and i was like well, hell, someone should have told me that one. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it wouldn't have done any difference. I would have probably no, said it. it <laughs> so I just. what would happen to me. No. Right? <laughs> so I just walked it off. You know, I mean, I felt like crap for a few days. And, uh, you know, every day just got a little bit better. Well, then I hooked up with one of my best friends from my hometown, uh-huh. and he was staying with his parents. And he was kind of in the doghouse. Well, he knew where to get heroin in my hometown. Uh-oh. So then me and him were back off to the races and, and we learned like, if you don't only do it like three days and then give it a break, then you don't get sick, but we didn't have the willpower to stop. You know, we got yeah. up with 20 bucks or something. So a buddy sent us a friend, um, where they went to rehab in Florida and okay. I ended up me and my buddy, we got, to go to florida together me and my best friend did and we were like well we got to go on drugs so we just kept using (laughs) until that month was up and we flew down to florida our parents our moms uh we introduced our moms they never really knew each other but okay they are like good friends to this day that still go play bingo and dominoes together and uh, that's
1: awesome man i think that's cool
0: and I still call his mom like a lot like i I yeah. love his mom so she's a sweet yeah.
1: baby. i I had a friend that passed from uh from drinking and i still I still would talk with his mom a lot absolutely
0: <laughs> well my buddy he went back out when I did but I came back and he's still out so
1: he doesn't okay. answer
0: his phone so I talked to his mom you know and check yeah
1: her. yeah absolutely <laughs>
0: So we went down to Florida and, uh, it was, it was a great experience. That's when I, I found, we had to go to detox for eight days Uh and then we went to the rehab and Uh rehab was great. Like I told my buddy, Hey, we're going to the beach, man. And they did, they took us intercoastal kayaking. They did all kinds of stuff. And, and Uh the first day I was in rehab, like after we had like i called it school um we would have to go to the rehab place and have classes all excuse me all day and then they would take us to meetings and so my first aa meeting was a speaker meeting and i went in and said i was an alcoholic and i listened to the speaker and I heard we need sponsors. So I walked right up to him after the meeting and asked if he could be my sponsor. And he said, yes. And uh, (laughs) all the therapists and stuff were like, you've been here one day and these other goons have been here for three weeks and they still don't have a sponsor. And I'm like, well, this part of it, like we just got to do it right. (laughs) so so i met my sponsor ben in an aa meeting and he told his story well then he came to my sober living and told how he was on drugs and different things and i'm like what you said you were an alcoholic and he's like i was in an aa room and you just respect (laughs) the room you're in Right. yeah so you know and so that taught me and i'll go I'll go to an AA room and say I'm an alcoholic. I can go to NA and say I'm an addict. I went to sure. CA last night, you know, oh. and, and some of my friends, they're like, well, I don't like AA. And I'm just like, they're like, I said, I'm an addict and they didn't like that. And I'm like, well, just respect the room. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe I got that memo and other people didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so uh, let's see. So I got that sponsor and we worked on the steps until I left, you know, after 30 days, I got my 30 day chip and then Uh I didn't want to go back to Ohio. So, you know, being around my dad and drinking and smoking weed, I thought I should stay away from him. Um, Love him to death, but Uh you know, so I went to, I flew to Salt Lake City and I went into a sober living. Okay. And because of like insurance stuff, I couldn't do the IOP I was hoping, but I went in sober living and I enjoyed that. Um, Mm -hmm. I was out there for like seven months until I relapsed. I had moved into my own apartment and relapsed that day.
1: Okay. The the
0: same day, my sponsor relapsed. I lived with my sponsor for like a week before my apartment opened up and then he relapsed too. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Like out there in, in Salt Lake. I did a lot of CMA and I even okay. chair, I chaired a meeting at the block, the homeless shelter down at the block. And uh, yep. and and I love the CMA people like I haven't found that sure. kind of group of CMA here in Denver. It, I think A.A.'s kind of bigger and C.A. and stuff. But, um, you know, you just Colorado
1: Color was a little behind on some things right now.
0: So. Yeah. And you just find what you know you like and what you feel comfortable yeah yep. you know yeah. so um so i, I kind of relapsed about 120 days in and then okay. i was on a binge for three years you know and okay. uh, i found it easier to come back to colorado because i knew more people to get drugs from here it was harder uh-huh. in Salt Lake. So I packed up, moved here and stayed with two friends and I was there for like two years before I got a job and then I finally got a job (laughs) and got my own apartment. I got my job back that I got fired at for being a a druggie the first time they hired me back because I was in sobriety, but I wasn't sober and they didn't. Yeah. They thought I was, but, um, but I got my own apartment, but, I was still dealing with this loneliness and uh-huh. feeling like shit. And, uh, and I moved into my place the first week of May. Two days after I moved in, my buddy flew in from Cincinnati to visit me. And uh, he wanted me to get him some some crack. Well, the only person I knew that had crack also had heroin. So that's when I relapsed on heroin. And I actually no mm-hmm. need, and my buddy found me and brought me back. And I was like pissed at him, man. I was like, I'm done. I was done. I didn't feel anything, you know. But that would have just wow. killed, that would have killed my family. Um, yeah, you know, like I'm a mama's boy, and mama's probably half the reason I got sober. The other half was me, but I couldn't have do that to my mom and uh, and being a funeral I, worker, I hear you. And being Uh, a funeral director and embalmer, I didn't want to be on that prep table for my coworkers. So (laughs) uh, that's kind of, that's my other story. So, wow. So I actually continued to use after he left. Um, cause that was May the first week of May. And then I used until, you know, 45 days before Halloween, whatever that was. And then I relapsed out. Okay. So, um, I remember the last day I used, though, and okay. I was back on the heroin because meth just wouldn't do anything. I was okay. ruining my veins. You know, being an embalmer, I know all the veins, but I've used uh-huh. them. <laughs> and, wow. uh, and I remember that last day, I, I couldn't hit my veins, and I did so much meth and heroin. By noon, I just started puking my guts out, which I'd never uh-huh. done, and uh, I puked all evening, all night long and finally at like 8 in the morning I stopped and I I could barely walk. Oh, I I felt like shit. And I remember wow. I remember sitting in the bathtub that night and just looking around that bathroom where you could see like splatters from the heroin and the syringe yeah. everywhere and I, it just was making me sick and I was like, okay, I think it's time to stop, Travis, you know. Yeah. It was fun until it wasn't anymore. And I was like, all right. So, you know, I just moved into this apartment. I'm going to quit drugs just until this lease is over at least and give it a shot, you know, and see if I'll smile again, you know. And I had this little bit of hope left, you know. like Not much, (laughs) but just a little bit because I had that taste of sobriety life. And I was smiling again. I was happy again. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you come into the rooms and very soon people are like, you sound like a different person. Um, Yeah.
1: Doesn't take long.
0: (laughs) And I don't, I didn't see it. I'm like, I'm still the same person, whatever. But everybody would say that. Um, And so the net so after the next day and i walked myself into the er and they when they finally got a vein they got one in my leg and my arm at the same time they pumped me at two ivs and sent me on my way so i had to work the next day my bosses went to europe so it was me and you know so i had to be there and i so i was withdrawing from heroin and meth working 40 hours a week and uh it was a struggle every morning, um, you know. Oh, and I yeah. got I got to work every day, and okay. I go to the Bill and Bob's at the or at the the Dragon Stand at five thirty yeah, work. And that meeting, I kept going. And after like a, there's a there's a lady there, Linda. I loved, and she would be like, "Keep coming back. More will be revealed." <laughs> and I was like, "What the hell does that mean?" Um, and you know, after cryptic. <laughs> yeah, so, I remember like a week into it, and I—I I mean, because I come in, heroin destroys my body, so I get okay. scabs all over me, and I look like shit. Yeah. So after a week, I remember coming to like a Saturday meeting, and someone come up to me. It was like the Saturday, like eight a.m., and they were like man, you look a lot better. <laughs> I was like, thank you. Uh, and then another week goes by and my bosses came back from Europe and they're like, you look great. And I told them I was using and I'm sober now. And, uh, mm-hmm. and they sent me down before they left and asked if they should be worried. Like they knew, you know, but how do you bring yeah. that up with your coworkers?
1: Yeah, they had a suspicion and they tried.
0: Yeah, but you know, you got to want it. And uh, and I finally wanted it. So I started going to the meetings at 5.30 every night. And then I found out there was a crack of dawn at 6.45. And yep. to keep me out of trouble, I would go to bed at 6 o'clock. Like as soon as I got home from that meeting, uh, it was, well, 6.30. Yeah. I'd come home and I'd go to bed. And people were like, what? I'm like, it keeps me out of trouble.
1: I get it. I understand that.
0: <laughs> so I started waking up at like four in the morning because I okay. go to bed so early, but, yeah. you know, it's peaceful and quiet. So I started going to the crack of dawn at 645 and then I'd go to work. And then after work, I'd go to another meeting. And then it got to be where I'd even go to another meeting after that. And I was doing like three meetings a day. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, my attention span is, is kind of little. So, I have to stay busy in early sobriety. Cause I yep. was afraid, you know, I spent all my time doing drugs before. So I had to fill that void that time up.
1: Yep. Uh-huh. Um,
0: and then so shortly after going to all those meetings and stuff, I met a girl at the dragon's den and she invited me to red rocks church. Mm. And yeah. uh, so I was like, okay, I need to find a higher power. Um, so I I was raised Christian, so I knew that there was a God. I mean, like that's who I worshipped. But okay. when I started using, when I was twelve, like I lived right through the woods for my church, and me and my friends would skip church, come over, and smoke weed, and then go back and act like we never left. Yep. So whenever I pushed away my higher powers, when my life started going to shit at twelve. You yep. Uh huh. So I started going to Red Rocks and the preacher there is a, an addict and, and they mm-hmm. have recover on Friday nights and every yep. Sunday. I love the sermons. Like they'd make tears to my eyes and, uh, and I just kept going back and I found my higher power really fast. And, and I just, cool. I turned my life over, you know, um, cause I wasn't running it good. But <laughs> I, I let God do it, and yeah. you know, now I got off my Lexapro, which was for depression. You know, I don't have anxiety. I, you know, like I'm I'm a pretty happy guy. You know, I'm smiling, and uh, the only thing I was dealing with in early sobriety was loneliness. Um, I okay, had a big issue on that. Um, but the more and more you go to meetings. There's even a part in the big book, I forget where, but it says, you know, eventually loneliness will fade. And, you yep. know, and I heard that over and over before it finally clicked one day. And I read this book on loneliness. Um, actually, it was an audio okay. book, so she read it to me. But uh, <laughs> but it was like a singer slash comedian and, uh, in New York. And she was like, you know you have to change your perspective on how you view things. Mm -hmm. Like if you're by yourself and you don't have anyone, if you don't have a significant other and you don't have a friend, you know, right now and you want to go out to eat, take yourself out to eat because at least you went, you Mm -hmm. know, if you have a pet, tell that pet, you love them and tell yourself you love yourself. And eventually that will make you feel like you do love yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, she's like, there are families out there that have kids and wish they had the amount of alone time that you have. Yeah. So you just have to And and I'll be in an AA meeting and they'll be like, this is a guy there that has three little kids. And, you know, and then I realize I'm glad I'm not like that. You know, like I, I wanted kids, but you know, I'm a little too old for that now. And, uh, you know, I'm 42 and, uh, Yeah, I I enjoy my alone time, and I don't know if it was really that book or what, but after that, I started changing my perspectives, you know? Yeah. And and I have no issues sitting here when I I work from home. I can get off work, crawl on the couch, and sit in silence all night. Yeah. that, That used to drive me crazy, and it doesn't now. Yeah. But, you know... Also, when I first got sober, my sponsor wanted me to uh, write three things I'm grateful for. And mm-hmm. I started doing that with my mom, both my sisters, my grandma, and we would text each other. Um, and that was really nice. I thought yeah. I was going to destroy my family, tell them about everything. Um, now they know I'm positive. They know I was okay, healthy, Um, You know, and my mom took that so much better than she took I was gay. You know, yeah, I don't know why, but she that, she doesn't remember saying that. She was like, it yeah, was a blur. But you okay, know. but I I wrote my story down in early sobriety, and I emailed it to my mom and my sister, and uh, okay. they cried. And my mom was like, <laughs> people in the rooms were like, you got some balls because I would not send my mom my story, and I'm like, well, she knows everything else, you know. I mean, I didn't get in all the itty bitty details but um, sure. I got in enough and mom was like I wish I would have known that about you when you were in high school I would have went to therapy with you or took you and you know it made me who I am today and yeah, I hope you know someone hear my story it helps them you know because no matter what, we think our stories are all unique and you know we're so different mm-hmm. but I was in a zoom meeting one day and there was a guy in there and he actually was in the town next to mine at a college from a little town. HIV went back. Like it was like my story to a T almost. It was so crazy. And, uh, you know, you hear what you want to hear and Mm -hmm. you have to keep an open mind. Um, if, if you go to a meeting, and a negative thing and you don't want to go and stuff you might not get much out of it um uh, yeah but i uh i try and and salt lake the old timers told the new ones just to sit there and shut up for 90 days you know and yeah. uh you know there's pros and cons <laughs> in that like i'm a talker so i have no i like to get shit out and ask questions yeah. But I can see why some old timers were like, just sit there and shut up because you'll hear a lot and you'll you'll take in yeah. probably quite a bit more.
1: But- yeah, your, your job is to listen and that's your intention. Yeah, yeah. but we could. Yeah, we used to be pretty uh, mean in <laughs> AA. I, my first A.A. meeting was 1984. Yeah, it was uh, if you had less than 30 days, you didn't know anything and that they would let you know that, too. Now it's now it's different. Let the newcomers talk. We know that they're going to babble for fifteen minutes and whine and cry. Let them, man. You did too. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, that's how, But if, if they can't feel comfortable doing that, then they may not come back. Right. And we'll, and the whole purpose is to get them to come back.
0: And AA makes you learn to be comfortable in your own skin. You know yes. it, it 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 for those of us that don't know what it's like to be a damn adult. You know it it, it helps us. It helps us learn how to talk to people and communicate and mm-hmm. not argue and take criticism and um, suggestions. Yes. So, um, and then I found this other uh, this other quote I kind of like, which I'll say now is maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything. Maybe it's about unbecoming everything that isn't really you. So you can yeah. be who you were meant to be in the first place. Yeah. And, you know, now I feel like I've got my own apartment back. Uh, you know, everything came back really fast for me. Um, okay. you know, once I came back in, I, got a, well, I quit the job that fired me years ago and went to a different company To the other company that fired me. (laughs) So, um, and then I went to the sister company of that, and I work online now, but I I moved downtown in Denver. And um, I I tell people, I feel like I'm exactly where I should be. I'm just like 20 20 years behind. But, you know, but that's okay. okay. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I'm happy, I'm sober and and i'm here for others you know um Mm -hmm. i'm not i don't know i've uh i don't know so i know like the aa they want you to do all the steps and have a sponsor and everything and and i think you know that that should um people should my story you know i i haven't done all my steps i did them once but then I haven't done them again. And I actually don't mm-hmm. have a sponsor right now. Um, the sponsor I had, I kind of quit, but I still call her all the time. You know, like sure. I talked to her this morning. And um, and I have a lot of friends I've had to cut out and that's where the loneliness comes from. But, sure. You know, my 530 group, well, they met this morning at 10 o'clock. Like we meet on Saturdays and have breakfast and, you know, and and we all met on Zoom. And so the first time everyone's like, oh my, you're taller. You're, I was like, it's it's different meeting people. But one of the girls, we had barbecue last night. We went, I took her to a CA meeting. She had never been. Um, And you realize life can be fun. Um, when you first mm-hmm. come in the rooms, you think, my life's over, I can't drink, yeah. I can't do drugs. And like, the, life just sucks. <laughs> well, and life does
1: suck. I mean, I've never... Nobody comes in happy, joyous, and free, man.
0: Uh-uh. So, I was always this happy little fat kid. And, uh, and so, once I did get rid of the drugs and come around, then I was smiling and I was happy again, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people... Some people, I don't know, they just were like, How are you so happy? And how, but I think that's just kind of me, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, that's um, who you actually are. Yeah, that's who you actually are. You're usually an upbeat kind of a person, yeah. and you become different when you throw a depressant in you. Yep. Happens to everybody. <laughs> and, so, yeah, now, and, why, and I think you hit it. You became the person that you were supposed to be, but none of that. But you wouldn't be who you are today if none of that shit ever happened to you.
0: Right. And, and you know, and I had fun. I'm not going to say doing drugs sure. and everything was just shitty. Like, it was a lot of fun for a while. But then it got to be where I was a person. I'm a social person. I always had to be out and about. And then I got to the last few years where I never left my apartment. And yeah.
1: that wasn't fun anymore, you know? Uh-uh. And I hear you I'm a social person also and it's even affected me in my recovery. You know, I'm still working to, you know, that's how I get, you know, that loneliness. I understand that. I'm over five years sober. There's still some days I'm like, why do I feel lonely like this? You know, I'll go hit a meeting or something. It's just my mind trying to find that easier, softer way, man. Um, And I have to remind my new, uh, my new brain cells. We don't party here anymore, man. We don't do (laughs) that here
0: yeah and so in early sobriety also they they tell people like if you don't believe in a god like get a dog it's god spelled backwards so i was like i wanted a dog um because after my dog died i was like i always used to put off in my head well i can't go to rehab i got a dog who's going to take care of the dog you know and the dog died and i was like well i always thought i would die at 40 i don't know why i just always said that and uh I said, if I make it to 41, I'll get a dog. Well, I got sober Halloween of 19. I turned okay. 41 December 14th of 2019. And the first okay. week in January, I got a dog. Uh, All right. <laughs> and right after, right after my birthday, my, my grandpa died. And his last name is okay. Cooper. So I named my little dog Cooper after my grandpa. Uh, oh, that's cool. And my grandparents' 70th anniversary is Halloween. So that's my oh, that's sobriety cool. day too. And, right on. and when I relapsed and I started going through my phone list and calling people and the guy's like, you have to look at the good side of everything, you know, like just because you relapsed one day doesn't mean everything you learned in 45 days is out the wall, you know, like, yeah, they're like, you learned a lot. You came a long way. And that brought me back in that room that night. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, now Halloween's my sobriety day. That's kind of a cool day. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, it <laughs> so, actually
1: worked out well for you. <laughs>
0: yeah. And you know, and, and that person actually didn't make it, you know, but he kept me sober that day. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, and I reached out and I kept calling him after a while. We would always stay in touch. And, uh, and he, and he took his own life, but it keeps, it makes it, you know, it makes you remember what this disease does, you know?
1: Yeah. And. Well, and we understand that. Heck, you got mad at your friend for saving your life.
0: Yeah. We, we never, understand it. But in the end, it got him off a crack for watching me do that, you know, and he went back and he got, <laughs> and he's off crack. So, hey. Fucking A, man. Yeah.
1: Good. You know, I, you but were those kind- but were that kind of those kinds of people now where for me when I hear something, I'm always looking for the miracle and the good in it, yeah, um whereas before my mind was always geared toward where well, went a piece of crap and making judgments and and yeah. everything else, and now that I have freed myself and God's taken all that crap from me, I can see so much more clearly now um. And and I can see myself much more clearly. And uh,
0: I love, I like me. I love me. Right. It's, it's how, how, it's our perspective on how we view things again. You know, uh, you got to just be happy, Um, you know, and this time around, um, since I work from home, I kind of get bored in the evening. So I added a second uh, job. And so I go to Ford Field and I do trash you know, and okay. And it's a humbling experience for me. Um, I, I called my sponsor the first day there. Well, the first day they kept me on the first floor and then they put me up by the bars, which was around all these people. Like I used to hang out with and, and I felt ashamed or something. I don't know. And, and I called my sponsor and I'm like, is this bad? Like I, I, I almost don't want to go in. Like I feel bad up there. Like I'm around people yeah. like I used to be. And she's like, no, this is a humbling experience for you. She's like, yep. my first year I had to clean poor to John's and you know, I'm exactly with you, you know, but she's like, you'll get something out of this. And, yep. uh, I'm working on losing weight and exercise and I'm working to get my outside match how I feel inside. That's, that's okay. my second year in sobriety. Um, you know, I've got four implants put in or four screws. I gotta wait for the implants and I'm working okay. on a tattoo I didn't like. I've dropped uh let's see, thirty six pounds so far. Wow. You know, and so I wake up every morning after I take my dog out. You know, I weigh myself and it just keeps me going along. And then I go on to a meeting at five thirty, and that's when I mm-hmm. pray. You know. Yeah. Um, Some people say pray first thing in the morning, but getting a puppy right off the bat, you know, I just had to tweak things that worked for me. Um,
1: That's okay. You're getting to it when you're supposed to. It's not like you're avoiding God. That's not right.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I can do church online and watch that on uh, tomorrow. I like going in person, but now moving down here, it's just, it's cheaper if I just watch it online. Um, But I've got a few friends going. Um, My father now goes to church with my mom after all of this, after 40 years Um, Hmm. or 40 some moms, like they sit and they talk now, like used to in my family. If you don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. That's That's how my family was like the gay thing still isn't brought up, you know, and they're old school and country. So they'll live with it until I bring them. (laughs) But, Uh, uh, uh. but, you know, my parents talk now. um, Yeah. And and I didn't tear them apart. I brought them closer together. and, And that's, you know, that's another good thing about, you know, telling them my story. I mean, I, yeah. I brought my parents in and I made them watch videos of people shooting up and stuff. And, and, oh and they, they had a lot of questions about it, you know, so I told them, you know, I was like, this is what I did. And then when I relapsed, I was like, oh, I should have never told my parents. I wish I wouldn't have never told them because I still could have got away with everything. But in all honesty, you know, it. it they, your parents need to know, uh, or at least mine do. They do, yeah. Because they helped me get back on track, you know, when I went out. That's what you know.
1: parents are there for, absolutely.
0: No. Yeah. And, you know, and some people might not have the parents' things, but they have their friends to help them, friends to hold them accountable. Um, and I've met some cool people, and I've been going hiking with AA friends, and, mm-hmm. you know, we go to escape rooms, and – Bowling and, and things that I used to do (laughs) all fucked up, but now I'm doing sober. And, you know, the first time I'm doing these things, I I get nervous. Like I'm going to a baseball game and I'm not going to drink, you know, but I had fun and I saved a lot of money. (laughs) So, and I'm running like five K's now and, uh, I'm getting healthier and, uh, And I'm just back to where I was when I was sitting in that bathtub hoping uh-huh. I would smile again one day and I'm there,
1: you know, you did it. Good job. Yep. That is thank awesome. You. So Chavez, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for welcome. coming on and, 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 and talking with us, you know, um, I'd have to say what I get out of this is, you know, is I could probably sit down and write a plan of what I think is going to happen in the next six months and then take a look at it in six months from now. And it's going to be so much better than I ever thought because God's got a much bigger plan than I do. Yes. He knows so much more. He knows so much more than me. Mm -hmm. And um, I I think it's really neat that we can get into the program and utilize um our trash for cold and bring uh, you know you brought family back together your own family just by getting and staying sober and being a good guy mhm wow <laughs> um and what I also what I also heard you saying was you have choices now today you have options right um you know cuz you know you can get up in the morning and I know you're saying that you. I don't have I don't have a sponsor right now either but what I do have is five accountability buddies that are not gonna let me do anything screwy sure <laughs> you know so I'm covered I'm, I'm looking for a sponsor um, it's been a year but I just I haven't found him yet right um, they got to have more sobriety than me and I got five years so you well know, um, it is what it is, and God will present that to me when, when it's time.
0: Hey, I have a friend, I think, you know, she has about my amount of sobriety, and she has a sponsee that has like 10 or 20 years or something. So you don't oh, yeah. have to always look for someone that has more time than you. Anybody I know. can help.
1: So. Oh, and I, and I believe in, in uh, quality over quantity. Sure. Absolutely.
0: But, you know, you do um, what works for you. And you know
1: what will work for you, so. Yeah. Well, I'll know when I meet them. Um, At the same time, we don't use that as an excuse to avoid doing the work, you know. Mm -hmm. I still go to therapy. I have closed-mouth friends that keep me where I'm supposed to be. I do my meetings. I do what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I love this life. I love it.
0: Yep. And now there's I don't know if you've know, heard about this one, but for everyone out there that's in Denver listening to this, there is um, it might not be for everybody, but there's a, a sober bar. It's the America's first sober bar and it's called Awake and it's by the Broncos yeah. field and they have coffee and food. And but then they also have like non-alcoholic drinks. Um, yeah. And I and I have some friends that want to go with me, but. Some friends said that I would trigger them having a margarita that's not alcoholic. Um, But, you know, if it would work for you and, uh, you know, I'm going to take my mom and my sister there. They're coming in like 10 days and mom wants a margarita. So I'm going to take her there and have a non-alcoholic one because she doesn't care if she gets drunk. She's never been drunk. But uh, Mm -hmm. I was like, mom, we're going to go there and you can have a margarita with me. She's like, that's fine with me.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But for some people, it's okay. For and and this is a great example. When I got sober the first time at nineteen, and you know I'd gotten twelve years of sobriety, but in that when I was about five six years sober, um, I started going dancing at the Deadbeat Club, and okay? well, I'd never been in the bars, so that didn't it was no biggie for me. Yeah. Didn't affect me at all. Now it would be different. So it really depends on who you are, you know, Um, what I really appreciate is that there's diversity in recovery. Um, I love AA. I'll be in AA for the rest of my life, and I, I want to be. But AA is not the only way to get sober, man. No way. Right. You no, know, yeah it's just another it's just a, another plan of action. there's you know you can go to church, there's celebrate recovery. There's a lot of different pathways, man, and i I support all those different pathways myself i yeah
0: there's even um right here close to my house, I found out I always heard about it, but I didn't know what it was, but there's the Phoenix, and it's a sober gym if you have forty eight mm-hmm. hours sobriety, and you can go yoga, meditation, rock climbing. They have – I've done the yoga and meditation, and that's all I've done so far. But, um, you know, I need to – I was looking yeah. at, for classes this morning, but I might yeah. uh, try to do that and they, tomorrow morning. And they, they
1: have and gyms all across the country.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but they're actually – it's funny because they're actually a block away from the Phoenix concept,
0: <laughs> so,
1: which is a uh, halfway house for recovering alcohol – for homeless alcoholics.
0: Yes, so, I used to there was a meeting I would go to there. Um, long time I ago. I found a HA meeting on a Friday night I found and they don't have any meetings since COVID. So um
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I want to get used. I want to get back down there. I was the fifth person to go through that program.
0: Okay, and the me. guys like lived upstairs? Is that the same place? I'm oh, it was
1: about? Oh, yeah. This was not okay. in 19 and this was not in 1989. It wasn't run by the government. Um, okay. we, we made plaques and piggy banks and took donations. We ate beans for every meal. Um, our coffee was donated by Boyers, who was whatever fell on the floor at the warehouse. I know because I ended up working at Boyers and doing that part. <laughs> um, but the Phoenix concept was the ultimate sober living at one point. I'm not saying it doesn't have uh, its it, what it's now isn't good, because it is but it used to be even better. And I'm actually working on a sober living in Oklahoma right now. That's more community oriented giving the sober living. will be giving back to the community by bringing in more jobs and, and, and just more stuff. So, um, but, but yeah, but what we're saying guys is whatever your passion is, you can find it in recovery. I don't care what it, I don't care about shoveling dirt, you, you'll find somebody else in recovery that loves to do what you do.
0: Yeah. Or you'll find out what you like to do once you get clean. Because some people don't know. They were using drugs so much, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I, had, I had a big fear of going back and playing music because um, I'm a drummer. And I sat down and, no, no problems, man. No music, I love no, I music.
0: Can. And that's yeah. meditation. Oh, I love music.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Let's. Um, do you have anything? Any uh, words of wisdom you'd like to pass on?
0: Um, it works. It really does. Well, <laughs> it does. It's nice and simple.
1: <laughs> yeah. the The best things are simple. So, all right, everybody. Thank you for being here and for being a part of. Um. You know, it's very important that we that we tell our stories. And that we're honest about who we are with ourselves. And I think from this, what we can figure, what we can take from it is if you want to learn how to love other people, learn how to love yourself first. And then it's just gonna come naturally. Thank you guys for being here. This has been Raw Recovery with Dion Miller. I love you guys, you know I do. Peace out and have a day.